1: Welcome in to OutKick the Show. I'm your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you are having fantastic Mondays. I got so many different things going on. I want to first say thank you to everyone who is subscribing to this channel on YouTube. Uh, I asked you as I went, I think I was leaving on Thursday, if I remember correctly, because I went out to see my buddy Todd Furman uh, get married. Congratulations to Todd Furman. I said, hey, Can you guys take us to 500,000 YouTube subscribers while I am gone? As I am looking right now, Outkick now has 641,000 subscribers, all right? We are growing on YouTube because of you guys. Click like and subscribe at a furious rate. So the new goal is 750. You guys blew through the last goal. How quickly can you guys get us to 750,000 subscribers on YouTube to take us to a completely different universe? I am hoping you can get us there again on YouTube. 641,000 is the number right now. NFL Draft over the weekend. 54 million people watched, according to the NFL. Uh, I was one of them. Uh, I thought the best draft was the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. I was most impressed by what they did. They already had an elite team that nearly won the Super Bowl. I thought they went out and got even better. They basically are just going out and grabbing as many different uh, Georgia Bulldogs as they can as many different SEC players in general and the result really, really good. Uh, So uh, that was the team that stood out to me as having the best possible draft. Uh, To me, I knew it was going to happen. I was afraid of it happening. I talked about it. You guys know that I said the one quarterback I didn't want to draft was Will Levis. I said, do not draft Will Levis I don't even have him in my top five in the SEC. I've talked about this throughout the entirety of the draft season. I don't believe in Will Levis. I watched his games last year. I watched his games this year that we just finished. There at no point in time has been a moment where I believed, hey, this is the guy. He's a difference maker. He's going to be incredible in the NFL. And what did my Tennessee Titans do they went and they traded up early in the second round to take Will Levis and try to make him the quarterback of the future. I don't think it's going to work out. Stetson Bennett went in the fourth round to the Rams. I would rather have Stetson Bennett. Hendon Hooker went in the third round to the Detroit Lions. I would rather have Hendon Hooker. Certainly I would rather have Bryce Young, and I would rather have Anthony Richardson to me this is not a remotely difficult decision. I think Will Levis is going to be a bust in the NFL, as I have been telling you for months. Now, if I am wrong, and trust me, I would love to be wrong on this, it would make me feel infinitely better if I were wrong. But my concern here is he's going to be a total bust. But if I'm wrong, if I'm wrong, I will guarantee you something. I will go full Dr. Anthony Fauci. I will go full Randy Weingarten. I will go full Rochelle Walensky, head of the CDC. I will go full on as aggressively as I possibly can. And I will argue that I never said any of this. I will claim that I all along knew that Will Levis was going to be the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL. When many of you share clips of me denigrating Will Levis, I will claim that they are AI-generated and totally false, and I never said them. Your your head will spin with how quickly I'll go full Fauci and full Weingarten and full Walensky on this and claim that I never said all the things that I said before about Will uh, Levis. He's going to be a bust. He's going to fail. The Titans really basically seem to be running their franchise to make me uh, furious and angry and miserable. I respect that on some level. If Will Levis ends up a stud, I will claim that I knew he would be a stud all along. Spoiler alert, he's not going to be a stud. I'll go full Fauci. I don't even understand. This is just me, just me talking here. I don't even understand the concept of what the Titans are doing. If they came out and they said, hey, it's time to rebuild, and you trade Derrick Henry, and you move on from Ryan Tannehill, and you basically just acknowledge that you're going to tank for one year, I'd be all about it. Because I think Caleb Williams is going to be an unmissable home run NFL quarterback, and I believe he will be the overall number one pick next year. Okay? I don't even think it's a remotely difficult thing, right, to predict. But... But what the Titans seem to be doing, there's no wide receivers. The team has the worst wide receiving core that I have ever seen. It would actually make more sense if they said, hey, we're moving Ryan Tannehill back to wide receiver because I think Tannehill might be the second best wide receiver on the team right now. I'm not even kidding. Played wide receiver at Texas A&M. No talent at wide receiver. The worst talent that I have ever seen on an NFL roster at wide receiver. They don't draft anybody. So are we just tanking for the whole year for Caleb Williams? That would make sense. But it doesn't make sense because you drafted Malik Willis last year, third round. You just drafted Will Levis second round. So you're just going to toss those picks aside? I just, I I, I I see virtually no reason to be optimistic as a Tennessee Titan fan. Zero. Zero reason for optimism. Uh, Steph Curry, what a game seven. What a game seven that Steph Curry had against the Sacramento Kings. Um, I've made this argument for several years. And I'm going to continue to ram uh, this argument and make it. I don't see anybody else even making it. Steph Curry is the most significant player of his generation. Yes, that includes LeBron. Note what I said. I did not say that Steph Curry was a better basketball player than LeBron James. He isn't. He isn't. LeBron James, physical freak. But Steph Curry is the more influential player of his generation. And I can tell you this as a basketball coach, little league basketball coach, whatever you call it, low-level basketball, everybody wants to be Steph Curry. When I was a kid, everybody wanted to be Michael Jordan, right? If you're around my age and you are watching me right now, you remember in your backyard, the Gatorade commercial, Be Like Mike playing in your mind, you were trying to be Michael Jordan. Might have gone out and bought the Air Jordans. Everybody wanted to be like Mike. Everybody wanted to be Michael Jordan. My generation, 80s, 90s era. Everybody wanted to be Jordan, Okay. Now, every kid wants to be Steph. And you see it in the way games are played. Everybody is trying to hit the dagger three. Everybody is stepping back on the three. Everybody is pulling up from long range. Steph Curry is the most influential player of his generation. Far more than LeBron James. People don't see LeBron James and think, I can do that. They see Steph Curry, and they think, because Steph is not a freakish athlete, barely if ever ever even seen him dunk the basketball, kids think, I'm not the biggest, I'm not the strongest, I can do what Steph does. Now, it underrates how difficult Steph Curry's shooting ability is. Guy went out and scored 50, an all-time high, In NBA history for a game seven, but Steph Curry has changed the way basketball is played. Every kid has extended the floor. Every kid now attempts shots that when you and I were kids, we only attempted, like maybe in the gym uh, after practice was over. Now kids will pull up, a lot of bad looking shots but they're all trying to be Steph, which is why I've been arguing for years and I continue to believe that I am 100% correct here because what I see of young kids, they all want to be Steph Curry. Steph Curry, most influential player of his generation, far more influential than LeBron James. Uh, That is the truth. We'll be right back in a moment, but first, this break. I'm flying out to Las Vegas on Thursday, um, and uh, we get news that right before the draft, Lamar Jackson signs a monster contract with the uh, with the Baltimore Ravens. And what that means is, the I believe it's four, five of the six. Sorry, five of the six highest paid quarterbacks in the history of football are now black. Okay, because there's been this argument out there that a lot of people have tried to make a living off of by saying, oh, the NFL is racist. The NFL is horribly racist. All of its owners are racist. All the teams are racist. All the fans are racist. The NFL's racist, right? This is a left wing identity politic fueled argument whereby, and you probably heard it, they don't actually give you any evidence but they just trot out the, oh, so-and-so is racist, oh, this is so indefensible, all those things, right? So the data never supports it. But now we've got five of the six highest-paid players in the history of the NFL are black quarterbacks, okay? On top of that, the first three quarterbacks that were taken in the NFL draft this year, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, all black, all taken in the top five. The only three quarterbacks, by the way, to go in the first round. Uh, see, Will Levis, we talked about, falls to the second round. I think he's going to be a bust. I think he's a disaster. Of course, the Titans drafted him. There is now no legitimate basis whatsoever for anyone talking about sports or anyone attempting to talk about sports to be able to argue that the NFL is racist against black quarterbacks. I always told you this was laughably absurd. The NFL is the ultimate meritocracy. You get paid what you deserve based on what you do on the field. Now that we have five of the top six highest paid quarterbacks of all time, being black, first three picks, three of the first four picks overall, black quarterbacks in this past year's draft the only quarterback who had to sit throughout the entire first round and wait for his name to be called actually will levis who got so frustrated he left uh kansas city and waited to be drafted from home by the titans okay it's impossible to argue the nfl is racist it's impossible Now, that doesn't mean that the usual race baiters aren't going to try. But if you see this argument made, five of the six highest paid of all time, now black quarterbacks, top three of four picks this year, black quarterbacks, the argument's not been legitimate for the entire 21st century, frankly. Um, And and I'm saying this as uh, a guy who grew up in Tennessee. T. Martin wins a national championship for Tennessee in 1998. Steve McNair takes the Tennessee Titans to the Super Bowl in 1999. I never even knew anybody who ever argued against someone playing quarterback based on their race. I'm being honest with you. I've never heard that argument in my entire life. But as a fan growing up, T. Martin, 98 national champ, Steve McNair, Super Bowl, Tennessee guy, it's kind of hard to argue against black quarterbacks just based on results. Okay? But... The entire 21st century, you could go through and pick out any number of examples of the NFL taking black quarterbacks just as seriously as any other race. And what I have argued for a long time is this. All NFL teams care about is winning. If you were a green transgender midget, Bill Belichick would draft you to play quarterback in a heartbeat if he thought you could win a Super Bowl. And everybody out there, if you could win, they don't care about you at all, anything other than wins. Great example of that. Deshaun Watson hasn't even won that much, gets accused of sexually assaulting 30 women. Jimmy Haslam signs him to the biggest contract at the time in the history of NFL quarterbacks. Jameis Winston, accused of rape, goes number one overall. Jamarcus Russell... Really not a lot of great evidence about how good of a quarterback he was going to be. Turns out, what did he have, like a drug addiction? Number one overall. If teams think you can win, they will look over anything and draft you highly, right? Whole 21st century, the anti-black quarterback argument has been embarrassing for anybody who trotted it out because all the NFL cares about, as Al Davis said, Just win, baby. It's the ultimate meritocracy. But that argument anti-black quarterbacks, gone forever. And by the way, if you even pointed this out on the flip side, right, if you pointed out that the media was turning this into a story that wasn't justified, remember they fired Rush Limbaugh for saying that people were rooting for Donovan McNabb because of his race because they wanted to see black quarterbacks succeed. You got fired for saying that. You get promoted for saying the NFL's racist. You get fired if you say, hey, the NFL actually is rooting for black quarterbacks to succeed. That's how unbalanced the equation is in terms of honesty and discourse. And this ties in. You know, I don't watch a lot of sports on television analysis. I watch a lot of games. But on Friday, I was out in Vegas and I woke up and I didn't have the Clay and Buck show because usually in the morning, I'm preparing for my radio show. So I'm not sitting around watching a lot of the talk shows and things like that. I'm reading, I'm making sure I devour all the latest news. But I didn't have a show to do on Friday. Um, and uh, and you know, we had a totally chill morning. Um, and, uh, and so I put on uh, ESPN And I was watching their analysis of the NFL draft. And what I saw confirms why OutKick is dominating. There is so much fear. So much fear of being targeted on social media that almost everybody agrees on everything. There was nobody out there beating the drum saying Will Levis should be the overall number one pick. He's the best by far guy I saw on film. Now, I think that would be crazy because I watch a lot of college football, but you have gotten uh, NFL people on TV so afraid of being called racist that almost nobody will even say anything negative about CJ Stroud, about Anthony Richardson, or about Bryce Young. Yet the data reflects that like half of first round quarterbacks, no matter their race, are going to be up end up total busts. But left-wing Twitter has so uh, come after people and accused them of racism that you can't even really have a debate in sports anymore. It's like, well, if you have a take that is anywhere outside the consensus, you're racist, you're sexist. Like, it's really wild. There was this argument for a long time that social media was going to lead to a flourishing of the marketplace of ideas, what it's actually uh, led to, and I talk about this some in my new book that's coming out in August, American Playbook, what it's actually led to is a rush to consensus. Everybody has to end up with the same opinion or else there is uh, calamity afoot. Now, credit to uh, Bill Maher, who I think has the smartest once-a-week show in media, again... The smartest once-a-week show in media. Maybe the best job in media, by the way. I would love to get paid really well to host one show on Friday. I think it would be incredible. I think I could do a really good job of that. Um, Bill Maher, Friday night show. uh, I'm sure they tape it on, like, Thursday or whenever they do. Really interesting conversation with Elon Musk. I give them credit for how interesting that conversation was. But more importantly, I give Elon Musk credit because I do think he's changing the consensus in social media. Uh, and he's changing it in a big way uh, by allowing everybody out there uh, to recognize that the true way to win should be on the power of your ideas, not on the power of your attack, right? The true way to win power of ideas not the power of your attack. Bill Maher, uh, Elon Musk, really interesting conversation there. Finally, I'm about to hop on Fox News. Um, Look, the truth of the matter is this. Joe Biden has said he's not going to debate. Joe Biden says he's not going to debate against uh, RFK Jr. or Marianne Williamson, I think are the two announced contenders, uh, because he would get smoked. Donald Trump now is making a similar argument. He's saying he may not participate in the RNC debates. Uh, I actually think it's smart of Trump because he's got such a big lead right now that he doesn't gain that much from actually doing the debate, at least in theory. Uh, And I I think you have to contemplate the way that all shakes out. So I've got to go get ready. I'm hopping on Fox News. You'll see me there in just a few minutes uh, with Martha McCollum. Appreciate all of you. Again, my schedule is such a zoo this week uh, with so many different things going on in the afternoon. I'm not sure how many OutKick the shows I'm going to be able to get to, uh, but uh, I appreciate all of you. Drive us up on YouTube. 750,000 subscribers is the new target for the OutKick channel. Love how much we are growing there. DBAP unless you need to SBAP. I'll be on Fox News in a couple of minutes.